Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratch, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. You're on. Well, welcome to the Coppercast with the President VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty, the Prez Logan. Got my co-host right here next to me, Ricky Ed Dog VP Etridge. Uh, welcome to the show, and mate, welcome Ed Dog, <laughs> mate. How's it going? I feel it's very weird sitting right next to you to do this, mate. It is very strange to be in the uh, kennel for a change and not in my little uh, office back home. But uh, I feel like I need to just. Put the webcam on to get you so I can see you on the screen. Just look that way. <laughs> yes, uh, it's a little odd. Where, mate, well, you know, we have said our motto is fake it till you make it. And um, so it does make it a little bit different that we're doing, you know, we've faked it a lot, a lot, a lot of times out the way we've done it. Yep, absolutely. Now we're, uh, we've sort of backed ourselves into a hole that we've got to prove that we know what we're doing by this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> mate, we, we've got it under control. We know what we're doing. That's why we're here now to make sure that we do. That's it. That's it. So, and if you're hearing this intro, it means that we do. If you're not hearing this intro, it means that we still haven't quite worked <laughs> it out. <laughs> yep. Facts. Facts. But so, why why are we doing this test run, mate? What what are you talking about with this weekend? What do we need to have ready? Well, as you would know, mate, the other week or well, last week, we spoke to uh, Michael and BJ from the Footy Nations Cup, and a little passing comment that we didn't really think much of, and. But we should head on down to uh, do some interviews and whatnot. And then didn't think anything of it after that. Then during the week, got a message from BJ asking we wanted to come down and do some interviews and have our own little marquee set up. Yes, uh, very nice. And, yeah, we did sort of, uh, you know, it was a little tongue-in-cheek sort of, oh, yeah, we'd be happy to do that. But, mate, it's great. But we look forward to it. Can't wait to get down there and see all the footy action and, just hope for a good uh, good weekend and go a good day of footy. And, uh, mate, I'm looking forward to getting into those food trucks after we're done. Oh, won't be much many interviews getting done, mate, when the food trucks are over. We'll be having breakfast, lunch, dinner, morning tea, afternoon tea, all in the space of the six hours it goes for. Yeah. Uh, now, hopefully there's uh, plenty of variety, which, uh, yeah, but I'm excited for the footy. I'm excited to talk to some some people that have got involved and got to play in the games. And, mate, uh, I think we're, we're more jealous that we don't get to play in it, that we don't get to, you know, we're not part of an ethnicity that's getting represented in the the uh, tournament there. Yeah, it would be nice, but um, it's going to be a fair old hike out there. It's not just around the corner. So we've got starts at 9 o'clock. I think we're planning on leaving where we are by about 7-ish to make sure we're there and set up in time. But it's, it's going to be a good day, mate. But um, who, who are we speaking to today? Uh, we're going over back over to England. We've, uh, we've got a few more clubs over in England to cover, so we're heading over to Reading to chat with uh, the guys from the Reading Kangaroos. Yeah, this was, uh, this was actually a good chat. He was, he was very passionate about the Kangaroos and uh, the Reading Kangaroos are part of the 
the, the famous boat race uh, incident with the Wimbledon Hawks. Yeah, mate. Um, infamous, infamous uh, incident that happened with the old boat race there on their big, big family day, which... I don't have any boat races this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, well, we might have to introduce the uh, Nations Footy Cup to it. We'll let them know about it and we'll show them the footage. But um, not not our first guest in the Reading Kangaroos. When we spoke to Will, the president of AFL England, he was actually uh, was playing, running around for the Roos in between getting off to Las Vegas for the uh, the poker tournaments that he covers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've had a couple little connections to the Kangaroos over there already, but... No, we're we're keen to learn about more about the Reading Kangaroos and how they do things over there. So, mate, let's get into it. And uh, actually, mate, mate, you, you, the other week, well, when we first started coming back, I, uh, I'm like, let's do a little local business thing. And since then, I've brought absolutely fucking jack shit to the table. And you, you started getting into me, but mate, I've got one this week. Oh, it's, all right. It, it, it's not. It's I guess a business. But it's actually more of a developer and an app. Um. Right Side Co is the app, and we've jumped on it as the Cobras, and it's a, di- well, what you call it? a digital digital media type of app. What yeah, would you call yeah. it? So it helps you, you know, create templates and, uh, you know, so to help uh, spruce up your digital channels, your social media, you know, postings and stuff, so you can uh, get some templates created and do, do a range of things. Um, it's sort of aimed at the sports space. So yeah, all the, all the sports can get involved when they're doing all their social media posts and get some nice templates made up. And the great thing about it, mate, I know this is a local business. It actually is a fairly local business. Um, a uh, couple of blokes out in, I think it's Strathope, I think it is, up in Country Victoria. The ones behind this, so it's a it's a decent thing to get around. And I, I highly recommend getting on it because you know we've already had a bit of a play around in the toy with it, and mate, we're uh, we're ready to go for when the season gets going. Yeah, lovely, mate. So but, yeah, uh, get on the app, Brightside Co. Speaking of uh, when the, the app f- store. That's it. Speaking of when footy gets going, though, mate, we uh, can finally announce some big news. Yeah, mate. Good Friday. We're playing against the uh, the newest team to, to the thirds. Well, one of the newer teams to have a third side and one of the you know more successful clubs uh, in our area, Springy Districts, uh, putting in the thirds, and we're getting involved in their big Good Friday uh, day over there where they play against Hampton Park and hey, we're excited to be involved in it. They're a great club that um, you know we've we've uh, followed uh, followed along with how successful they've been because they're sort of the benchmark for the competition, I, I think, and um, especially for you know our local area. Well, so keen to get involved. Yeah, man, it's gonna be a big day. You got jumping castles, face painting. The, you know, I mean, I'm looking forward to the footy, but I'm also looking forward to the Easter egg hunt that they're going to put on. And then they've got the Royal Children Hospital raffle, live music post games. And, mate, this is one where we're going to get the bear trap on for the uh, first live edition. It was with the hamburger tent, canteen, and coffee van. Oh, yeah. First live review, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. The good thing about it, too, mate, we're going to have an extra, extra day to recover than what we normally would for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the boys are going to appreciate that for the first game back and, and I think you'll appreciate it more than anyone. First game back in two years for you, but first game back after the year off and, uh, mate, we're raring to go. I can't wait to get into it. It's hard to believe it's only, what, six, seven weeks away? Yeah, mate, so the days are going by fast and hopefully there's no more uh, snap lockdowns that interrupt our uh, pre-season training because I'll tell you what, we can't afford to miss too many. Uh, the good thing is, though, mate, 
well, if we miss him, everyone's missing him. So we're not, not going to be behind the eight ball. Yeah, well, hopefully not. But, mate, let's get into this chat with uh, the Reading Kangaroos. And, yeah, probably the next time you hear from us, we'll be live at uh, Nations Footy Cup. Um, I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, Depending on how much uh, work is in you for post, mate, or whether it be next week, whether it be the uh, – us at the Footy Nations Footy Cup, or it will be um, who else? The Sussex Swans. So it'll be either one of the two, depending on how much editing and uh, work you need to put in post to get it all, well, the, all good. The next thing you hear is Sussex Swans. You know that uh, <laughs> it was a disaster. We got nothing salvageable. So, but enjoy this one in our traditional format, and uh, hopefully we'll come to you with some great content from the Nations Footy Cup. But uh, enjoy this. All right, today we're uh, flying back over to London. We're going to chat with Adam from the Reading Kangaroos. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks very much for having me, Ricky. Uh, we uh, really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, we've loved learning about uh, all the footy getting played over in London and uh, in Europe as a whole. But um, before we sort of get stuck into the Kangaroos and their story, we'd just like to know how you came across Aussie Rules over in London. Yeah, so I was, um, I remember getting up, I mean, from about the age of seven years old, I remember getting up on Sunday mornings to watch Transworld Sport. And it's just, it's just a program which shows you all the sport you never see in your, in, in my country. So it showed um, Kabaddi from India, like real tennis. And then one of the sports that was always on was Aussie Rules Football. I remember watching it through sort of the 80s and thinking, wow, this looks exciting. I haven't got a clue what's going on, but it looks brilliant. Never thought I'd get a chance to play it. And then I, um, a mate of mine found the local team training in, in uh, 2004 and gave me a very excited phone call after he finished his first training session. I got down for the next one and we were both just absolutely hooked from the word go. Um, had a really good... Um, a uh, bunch of Aussies who were involved in the local club and they sort of took us under their wing, uh, trained us up, taught us the technique, got us uh, got us involved in stuff. And yeah, it, was, it, it really sort of, it really sort of snowballed quickly because we had a fantastic sort of first season, the two of us getting involved. And then off the back of that, um, we both got both got sort of uh, invited to join the the GB Bulldogs, the national rep team, and found ourselves travelling down to Australia for the International Cup in 2005. And it's just this whole sort of massive sort of ongoing snowball of fantastic experiences just made sure we were just hooked on it and never looked back. Yeah, it is uh, quite, quite remarkable to be, you know, didn't even know footy was getting played over there. And then next minute you represent your country. That's uh, quite awesome. And something we've been envious of is uh, the fact that you guys get to pull on a jumper that represents your country and then come over and play Aussie rules. So you, you started playing in 04. Um, so what, what position do you play or, or what's your favorite position to play? Uh, I've always, I've always been, um, every sport I've played, I've always been the big guy at the back. Now I'm not, I'm not the biggest fellow, but sort of like I got some, I got some size. I got a decent jump on me, or I, or I did have when I started playing anyway. Um, so I started off at fullback, uh, and again had a, a bunch of, 
a bunch of sort of really good Aussies playing across the halfback line in front of me. So they're able to give me lots of pointers. And then I sort of moved up to centre halfback. And then I think one year I found myself the tallest person in the club. So I got uh, moved into the ruck. Um, I've had asp I've had aspirations of moving past the halfway line once or twice, but they were swiftly kicked out of me by one of our Aussies who actually tackled me as I made my way past the halfway line once. Said, "Ads, you're a backman. Get back there." Um, so now I've I've always enjoyed playing playing in the back line. So yes, yeah, and a half back, full back, anywhere around there has generally been my favourite. We've heard a few people say that you know that are new to the game and start off playing in the back line. They find that they learn the game quicker and easier by watching what's in front of you. Did you find it that way or is it just natural to play back and just do what you need to do? I think it's a mix of both, but I think it's very, it's it's absolutely accurate. Yeah, you can see the whole game happening in front of you. And particularly when the opposition's got the ball, you see them coming at you. You see a lot more of the sort of the dynamics of what is actually involved in the game. And then as well, when you've got the ball and you can move it forward, you see a lot more of it. So as well i think in you when you when you're starting off if you're in if you're in the back line you can kind of get told right sit on that guy don't let him get the ball if it comes in high punch it if you're free catch it and it's very sort of simple way to get into it uh, i think if you're in the forward line trying to learn your trade is much more about sort of the positioning and what you should be doing when the ball's two kicks away and that sort of thing so i think yes yeah, it's, it's a good way to get into it yeah, I guess if you, know, if you want to get up forward, you sort of just learn. As what well, I've known many people that have done that. They start there, you know, go back, and then two years later they're playing forward because they've learnt off who they're playing and where to go. Uh, what number do you wear? I always try and get twelve. I like twelve. Any any reason behind that, or just 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 like the number? I don't think so. No, my birthday's on the, on on the twelfth day, so. That's probably it coming from <laughs> coming from early childhood, but I've just always gone for that and nobody's argued too much, so I got stuck with it. Now, it's always good when you have a number that's not really that popular. Like, you know, it's not a number one or a number five or something like that. Um, yeah. Who do you follow in the AFL? I'm not really a typical supporter and I've never really sort of gone for a, one particular team or club. I mean, I, I just, if I'm watching sport, I just love watching sport played well. So I'll quite happily watch any team who plays the game really well. I mean, if I'm looking at the results, I'll always have a look at North Melbourne because they're the they're the club we're named we're named for. But again, just love watching any team that plays the game well. Yeah, nice. And um, so you met your, your number twelve is that you in the background in your picture there? I can see a number two. I don't know if it's a twelve, the one with the fist. So in the blue are 27 is one of the Aussies who's playing on the halfback line in front of me taught me taught me a lot of stuff yeah the um I'm the guy behind the contest there barely getting off the floor <laughs> and the uh juggernaut coming across the pitch about foot and a half two feet in the air there is the guy who got me into it Jules oh nice and uh did you get a fist to it or did you take the grab Oh heck! I didn't get any. I didn't get close to it before Jules knocked it away. That's actually that's actually uh, one of the memorable shots we got from our grand final in two thousand and four when we were playing the Bristol Dockers. We had a really good win that day. Yeah, very nice. Um, all right, so you don't you don't really follow a team, but who's been one of the favourite players you've seen throughout your time following the sport? From north of, I've obviously I've, I've loved watching uh, Brent Harvey. 
Uh, he's just uh, particularly for those of us who are getting on in got getting on in years. He's been a real sort of uh, example to follow in how to how to sort of go about um, putting yourself about in the game. But I think one of the one of the players that I've always ad- admired and looked up to was uh, Dustin Fletcher. It's just it just that the, the old guy at the back who just does the right thing every time, and absolutely an example to follow. Yeah, well, you you could see the smile on Ed Dog's face when he makes Dusty. I was going to say Adam could be quite possibly my favourite guest we've ever had. Calling <laughs> out Fletch, absolute legend of the game. Yeah, yeah, and then mate, Brent Harvey, you see, he was uh, he's still running around in the local footy now. He's, he just he'll never stop, I don't think. So, mate, he's got a motor in him, hasn't he? Yeah, he goes all right. Uh, I wish I'd worked half as hard as him to get fit, but. Um, his size, I just uh, nowhere near as fit as him. So, <laughs> um, so you came to the club in '04, but when was the club first founded, and do you know why they went with the Kangaroos? So it's pulled together pulled together the year before. So I just I only missed the the, the first year, and it was it was a number of people in the area who were actually travelling into London to play for one of the teams in there, and they sort of got chatting and found out they sort of had a critical mass locally so it made sense to get the team together and at the time the kangaroos weren't playing in the london league they were playing in a regional league so it wasn't 18 aside it was 12 aside footy so it's easier to get the team sort of started but we were playing nottingham bristol swindon um a lot further a lot further travel and i think they went with the kangaroos because at the time um all the clubs were being named for one of the pro clubs. And it was like Lions, Demons, Hawks, <laughs> I think were all, were all, were all taken. Um, and I think the Kangaroos was one of the ones which was open and they went with so they could have a unique identity, but also sort of follow the, the naming that everybody else was using. Yeah, very nice. Um, so who was the club's first game against and how did they go? In, the, in their first whole full season, so I, th- I have it tentatively confirmed to me that the the first game for the club was against the Bristol Dockers. Again, they 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 were they were really one of our our real rivals um, over the, over those early years, um, and I think it was actually a loss, but certainly getting the grand final win in 04 really uh, really helped settle that back. Oh, I assume it would. A uh, year later, you're going to knock them off in the grand final. Um, okay, so the club jumping now is quite different from a normal um, you know, North Melbourne kangaroo style jumper, unlike the one behind you, which is quite similar to it. How did you guys choose your latest design? Because it's actually quite an absolute ripper of a jumper. Oh, thanks very much. It's it's something we actually um, I think we actually put it out to the club to say throw us your ideas what would be what would be a good jumper and it's something the the national team's done over the years as well is really trying to sort of leverage people out there with aspirations of being designers um or even just those who got got a decent idea about how a footy jumper should be put together so we put it out got some ideas back and then voted on the one which um, people liked the most and went with it yeah very nice so um, has it has it been hard to sort of maintain your player numbers and recruit new players and, and keep a successful team going? 
so it's been it's, it was um there was one sort of lean period because what we did with the club is we we moved from the regional league playing 12 side footy into the london leagues playing a mix of between 14 and 18 aside so we had um we had a couple of years when we were playing in one of the london divisions three left three divisions and it was too it was too high a step for us the quality was too high because we were a club where we would typically have maybe a third of the team would be aussies and the rest would be brits and we're playing against teams which were 90 percent aussies so in that sort of instance it's very difficult to uh introduce somebody for their first ever game in the club they get put on an aussie who's probably played 200 games for a club back home and they get absolutely flogged for <laughs> flogged for sort of 80 minutes and then they don't come back because they haven't had fun so we moved back into the third level of sun of london competition where you don't have the sort of the xvfls the guys who are playing really seriously really seriously for their clubs is guys taking play on a more sort of on a more sort of social level and it's a much better place to introduce people so since we moved back to that it's been a lot easier to get new players in and give them a really productive first run out so we take them at so we take them into training we teach them the technique we give them some ideas about positioning and marking and the rules of the game and then it's very much sort of on the job training but it's but every year we'll see one two three aussies leave going back home one two three aussies coming in Again, the club's still largely balanced around probably a third Aussies, two thirds um, Brits and Europeans. Uh, and it's much easier to then recruit people with the aim of come along, see what you think, have a go. They'll have a decent first decent first run when they want to get on the pitch. Um, but again, yeah, it's one of, the, one of the key things though is it is something which most people either have never seen or certainly have never played. So getting people to uh, give it a go for the first time requires a bit of convincing sometimes so we have to be a bit persistent uh, <laughs> and, and and make sure that if we, if there's somebody out there that we we know would be would be good or would enjoy it that we're a bit persistent and get onto them and get, get them to come down and give it a go and most of the people once they've been to training had their first run really enjoy it and want to keep going at it yeah well with a bit of luck uh, i know you've you guys have been enduring quite a Lengthy lockdown and stuff, and I don't know. Hopefully, um, you know. Was been... that Dan Andrews' fault, Rifty? <laughs> Thanks, man. Now I'm going to edit that out, geez. So. <laughs> um, but no, hopefully, more footy's getting watched uh, over there, and then um, you know, there's blokes that are keen to bust out of lockdown and get down and give footy a try uh, once once it's all over. But where whereabouts do, they, do you get to train and play your games? So we're we're really lucky in the in the middle of Reading we've got a, a big old meadow called King's Meadow and we've played there since the club was formed and it runs right by the river. So the ground stays pretty good year round, with the odd exception of when the when the whole thing floods, in which case it's pretty difficult to play under a foot of water. But um but typically it plays it's it's stay, it stays really good surface. Uh the council have been sort of good to us, let us keep the area specifically along the back of the meadow four footy. So it doesn't get sort of run over um, during soccer season, anything like that anymore. Um, 
and yeah, it's been cool. We've been there since we started off, and long may we long may we remain there and unflooded. So with the uh, the help of Google Maps, when we find it where teams are trying to play, we can pull it up on our screens, have a look at it. And I pulled up the King's Meadow before you jumped on, and all the lines are marked on the Google Maps satellite, which is fantastic. And have you got it up, Rifty? No, I've got it up. It well, it is quite possibly the best line marking job we've seen anywhere else besides Australia. We have, we have seen some absolute shonky-looking um, line marking on grounds. <laughs> but if you were to just pull this pitch up to somebody, you'd think this was somewhere within Australia it's that good. So, you know, credit to whoever does your line marking for the ground, I say. I'll pass that on to the council, mate. They'll love that. <laughs> We've seen ones where uh, the wings are literally straight lines like the, a soccer pitch and the pockets are... I got no, we have no idea what's going on with the pockets. <laughs> I've, pl- I've played on some pretty memorable ones over the years. I think the, the ones which took the biscuit where I think there was a local council thought that a diamond shape was the right shape. So literally going out like straight lines out from the goal. And then another one, which is on a, I think it was a team playing on a school, on a school ground. So they'd marked out the oval, but as well as the oval, they had the athletics running track. They had some rounders diamonds and it was all on the same area. So like running around is like you're trying to take 90 degree turns to try and stay in the pitch and realize you were going onto another pitch. <laughs> so yeah, it gets interesting at times. Have you come across it yet, Rift? Yeah, mate, they're, they're, they're doing a better job than um, Cerberus down there. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing a better job than uh, half the clubs I've seen, but that, that's a, you know, to uh, run a, literally next door to the River Thames must be pretty nice to uh, a nice day to play out there. It's, it's not bad. The uh, the occasional downside is the clouds of midges that come off the river, so there's uh, there's some fair, fairly liberal use of uh, of uh, insect repellent sunblock when we're out there playing. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. So you mentioned before you know, you're now playing back in the third tier of uh, AFL London. So as you said, you had some success in your early days. How many premierships and that has the club won in its time? So it's been it, we've been probably. Yeah, we had a decent amount of success with it because we've had um, two um, two grand final wins in the regional competition. So this is out, out the clubs outside of London. Um, and then 2012, 2013, we took the flag for the social division as well. And then we also, we had a, um, uh, unfortunately, a losing grand final later on. But I think one of the things we really benefited from is we've always had a... Uh, a core of Brits who have stuck with it, played for played at the played for the national team, love it, but also the guys who not played national team but stuck with the club for a long time. But then we've also also had this sort of core of Aussies who are in the area permanently, able to sort of lift the coaching level and really sort of train both the Brits and the and the new players into the game. So it's been a really solid lineup we've managed to maintain, and yeah, the two flags in twelve and thirteen were absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's great. So, how, how many clubs are playing the social? And is it, is it the socials the third? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, yes, it's called the social. Yep. Yeah. Um, how many clubs are playing in that competition? So I think when we when it's generally been between six and ten clubs for the times we've been in there, because it's uh, it's it's varied a bit because there was a time when there were several of the regional clubs like, like Reading um, getting involved in the social division. And I think one of the drivers at the time 
we had Manchester and Nottingham both playing in the social social division. And I think the driver at the time was coaches wanting to get British players um, experience of a larger number, um, better quality footy, because there were players pushing for the GB squad. Um, and then London were fine at the time, accepting all these, uh, accepting all these sort of the extra clubs in. But I think it's settled down now to about eight. Um, and then, of course, we'll see what impact uh, what impact the pandemic has had when we can actually get back. Because, of course, one of the one of the key impacts has had is you don't have the huge volume of Aussies travelling through London at the moment. So I, I imagine there'll be some, there'll be a few reductions, a few sort of uh, concentrations of players, and we'll see what we can get back to. But yeah, some, somewhere around sort of six to eight, six to eight teams is probably a decent number. So you, you've mentioned the pen, uh, the issues of the pandemic a few times. When um, Rifty and I first started this back, I think it was April, maybe we had a few questions regarding you know lockdowns, and we thought we better get rid of them because it's going to date the episodes. And it turns out we probably could have kept them in because it hasn't dated them at all. <laughs> But um, how has the club gone about the pandemic and the lockdown? What have you guys done to try and keep the club sort of together and involved as one? So we've, I mean, in the, in the initial stages, we've done sort of everything we could to get still get out. Um, now, there was, there was sort of the policies put in place for your zero contact training. So we could still get out and kick a footy around and that sort of thing and make sure you gel your hands after each session and, do, do do stuff safely i mean we we can't we can't do that at the moment so that's the sort of the pathway we're aiming to at the moment to get back to that and then to get back to our to get back to a season after that but, i mean the club does the club does a sort of a decent amount of stuff together as well because so we have sort of uh we use whatsapp for a regular banter channel um but then we've also done um done a lot of stuff with regard to one of the guys run has run quizzes through most of the most of the most of the off season just to get the guys a chance to get together on a Friday night and have a couple of beers and do something, do something fun together. Um, during one of the periods where we weren't sort of uh, locked down, you could get out. We did a big um, fundraiser. Um, so we had, what we did is one of the guys measured the distance between our ground and all the grounds in London. We play again, we play at totted up all the distance and then the aim was to get the club out and do a charity walk a charity fundraising walk and i think we actually we actually blew our number out of the water and had a really good fundraising day as well as getting all the guys out having a walk together um getting getting some miles on the legs but then yeah there's lots of stuff we try and do and we want to do when we can all get back out together as well yeah, it was uh, one of the things we had here to definitely mention was the walk you guys did for the uh, M&D fundraiser, the Around the Grounds, as uh, as it was called. Yeah. Um, so it was 290Ks all up that was walked, which was... Well, I think that, that was that was the target. We actually aimed, we actually got somewhere around 340, I think, in the end. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> for, um, un unfortunately for me, um, yeah, the guy in, in the shot there who's a, a lot higher off the ground than I am decided to go for a pretty ambitious route. So rather than just saying, you know, we're going to walk along these roads and go along here, he said, you know, we're going to do this route, give us plenty of miles. What he neglected to tell me was it was mainly on hills and farmland. So he's sort of trudging through mud and up hills and down these sort of really narrow 
narrow country tracks is like at the end of it i was just absolutely broken but yeah we got some good miles on raised the total a bit yeah so almost 350 k's are unbelievable and so the idea was it was the distance from reading to all the other uh, london league grounds yeah the total was at 290 k's um and so that was only done over two days was it the 350 k's it was yeah so I think there was, uh, there was a bunch of people went out on the Sunday, but the big one was the Saturday. A lot of people started in Reading and walked down the river to Henley-on-Thames, one of our sort of local real historic towns. It's got the famous rowing regatta there every year. Um, and then I, me and uh, Jules in the picture started off in Henley and just went up into the hills and circled round. Yeah, bloody unbelievable effort, and we take our hat, hats off to all that were involved in doing that. And it's been uh, amazing to learn about not only what your club has done with these fundraisers, but some of the other clubs throughout London that have done different fundraisers and, you know, the, the walk to the G. And, um, yeah, a lot of different fundraisers were getting done with people putting in some unbelievable physical efforts to, to help raise some money and awareness for these charities. Um, yeah, absolutely. All I can do is take my hat off um, because I can walk 20Ks uh, in a day, <laughs> let alone uh, all the Ks you guys put in. As Richard just said, you know, not just in London, but around the world, we're learning that uh, the footy clubs get involved with the community and fundraising um, and things like that. And I think at the start of the year, I started 2020, you guys done a bit of a fundraiser for the bush uh, bushfires as well. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So what, what else have you guys been involved with? Because it's amazing the amount of work that footy clubs around the world put in to try and raise money for not just their own communities, but, you know, the Australian communities back home. Yeah, I think there's it's been quite a bit of stuff over the year. I mean, I remember, well, this is probably maybe 2007, 2008. Again, there was another series of really serious bushfires in, in, in Oz and all the clubs, all the clubs in and around London came together and, did a massive sort of uh, north of the river versus south of the river um, match um, and raised a raised a load of money, um, which then got sort of collected together, sent back. What we what we see a lot of as well is some some really good support for um, club members who have gone back home. So the visas come to an end and they've headed back to Oz, and a few of them have a few of them have met with sort of really challenging or in some cases, uh, fairly tragic circumstances. And the clubs really rally around their members. There's a really good, um, there's a really good sort of support feel to it uh, when we get all these things engaged. Um, over the years, I mean, uh, yeah, you, t- you take the opportunities where you can to do these to do these things when, when someone needs help or when there's a good cause to follow. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's fantastic. You know, so it's great to say not only clubs in England, but around the world, get involved in stuff like that. Um, so sponsorship for footy clubs around the world, we know that you know, even in Australia, it's not the easiest thing to do. How hard have you guys found it to get sponsors and keep sponsors for the club? It's, it's very tough. I mean, the key thing over here is if you're not football um, or possibly things like rugby, cricket, there's there's not a lot you can really offer a sponsor. Um the, the the football rugby cricket they they take over they they are what the sports awareness are about in this country 
So with, um, I think with a sport like Aussie rules football, it is, it is exciting. It is something people will enjoy, but you really sort of, it's aiming to, it's, it's starting small and building up from there. So we've had a really good relationship over the years with the local walkabout uh, and they've, they've helped us out with sort of club functions. Um, they help us out with sort of uh, discount deals for, for club members when we're going in there for after, after games, having some drinks and food, that sort of thing. Um, but then it's when we're doing things like our end of season bashes, we typically do like a big raffle. And what we'll do is we'll say to people, right, if you've got a connection with a local business or, or an organization, get in touch with them, see what, see if they're, see if they'll, um, they'll help out with something. So we typically manage to get some sort of small to medium, but generous gifts from these local businesses, which players and club members have got connections with, rather than getting in touch with a company to um, sort of get us five, five K for a new set of posts or that sort of thing. So it, it's aiming small. I think it's one of the things which I know um, organizations like AFL Europe and AFL England are looking at is how do you kind of centralize the effort a bit to make it worthwhile for larger sponsors to come on board? Yeah, well, hopefully they can figure something out. And when they do, they can uh, fill us in too. So we can uh, <laughs> get some, get some, if, if they can crack that code, we'll, yeah, we definitely want a piece of that. Um, yeah, absolutely. But one of, one of the things uh, we've loved hearing about is uh, the social side of uh, the clubs over there. And, and one of the things I, I wasn't aware of and didn't know existed was the boat race. And we happen to know, uh, uh, have come across a story that involved a boat race, a famous boat race after one of your games against the Wimbledon Hawks with the, uh, oh dear. the, the family <laughs> day and a slip and slide was involved. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. After uh, our friend, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'll just yeah, we'd love to hear your side of the story. We've heard the Wimbledon Hawks side of it. I'd love to hear your side of how that day went. So the the Hawks are, I mean, I, I, amongst all the clubs we've ever played, the Hawks and then the North London Lions are just the absolute most top bunches of boys. We'll have have them along any day of the year, and um, yeah. So every year we have the friends and family day, which is our real. It's our to the day to make a big effort to get people to come down and watch, um, get people along to support. But we also do things like we have a bouncy castle for the kids. We have sort of various games out that people can take part in while the game's going on and afterwards. So it's the it's the big effort day to get sort of sort of raise awareness about the club and the sport locally. And um, yeah, after every game you have the uh, boat races. So everybody gets their five people five against five lined up with their cans and no matter what i tell you i should never take part in a boat race i'm no good at them all right <laughs> there was some pedigree 20 years ago not anymore but um so yeah they're always sort of hotly contested well well supported and uh, well celebrated afterwards and um some of the uh some of the aussies at the club sort of thought that well we'll get these huge sort of huge sort of sets of plastic sheeting and um lay them out and all the sort of soapy water on top so you sort of sprint at them from one end slip side down to the other and then some bright spot got the idea i know let's combine the boat race with the slip and slide <laughs> so he's got a guy who's like honing it down this slip and slide grabbing a beer at the other end and and getting it down in one before the next person goes i think the last one we ran 
it was a real sort of tense ending, neck and neck all the way through. And one of the, I think, I think I got it the right way around. I think one of the Hawks guys was basically in the league, got to the end, stood up to get his beer and his feet just went out from under him and crashing down, beer went everywhere. And the Rouge guy managed to get down and down it. <laughs> it was like a brilliant end to the day. Yeah, we, it was, uh, we've seen the clip and it's a classic. Um, it, like I said, for us, we, we never even uh, knew what these boat races were. And now we just, I think we're more excited to get back to playing footy so we can get a boat race going after one of our games. I don't know if we're going to get a slip and slide involved. Um, but, oh, I could thoroughly recommend it. It was, <laughs> it was brilliant. It, I'll tell you what, the pictures... Um, it looks like you, you have a cracking day with that friends and family day. And um, hopefully like once you can return to normal, you can get another big friends and family day and, and have a, a great game of footy and a, a fun boat race after it. Um, Absolutely. All right. But I think it's time to start throwing some of your teammates uh, under be, the bus. Before we get into that, Ruth, do you, um, you mentioned a few times, Adam, especially at the start that you represented the, uh, the GB Bulldogs, um, across in Australia, how many tournaments did you play for them, and what was that like to represent your country, especially you know at the very very start of you know when footy was sort of taking off across there? So it is. I mean, it's it's just one of the it's the, one of the most unique and incredible experiences I've ever had. I mean, literally, you, you grow up watching the guys playing football, the guys playing rugby on on TV. It's an aspiration. If you're, I mean, if you play sport, it's got. It's an aspiration that you never think you'll achieve. So having the opportunity to, particularly so so early on in a footy career, to get down, be part of like a a national coaching coaching sort of setup and get involved and get playing. My first um, my first uh, international cup was 2005. So I played in uh, 2005, 2008. I was down to play in 2011, but unfortunately I had to have a stomach op like three months before and that ruled me out and it was absolutely heartbreaking. So played in two tournaments. I was team manager from 2006 onwards. So I traveled down in 08 as a player team manager and then traveled down in 2011 as a team manager for that as well. In the meantime, I, I went along to the uh 2010 and 2013 european championships which was the 18 as i comp organized sort of around the euro the european countries um traveled to i think four of the um for the 12 aside or sorry the nine aside comps uh in europe as well which again were fantastic experiences and it, i think i remember my first game vividly because it was against the the Kiwis. And of course they were getting on the pitch and first thing we do is we face the hacker. As like it's just like you're facing this and it's just this is the most awesome thing I've ever done. And we got beaten, but it was a good match. Um and it's just every experience for the team after that is just something you're just absolutely blessed to be to be involved in. And then to be able to get involved as the as a sort of the my time with the Bulldogs went on in managing the team, coaching some of the new players coming through, sort of going around, traveling around some of the regional clubs, taking a look at some of the players they thought had had the potential and sort of 
giving them some pointers. I remember going over to Wales, going up to sort of the north of England and sort of coaching some youngsters to see what see what they see if they contribute and get involved in the setup. And it was really, really rewarding, as well as being just one of those experiences you never thought you'd be lucky enough to have. So I think I, I think I called it a day after about 10 years with the Bulldogs and every single one of those years was just absolutely, absolutely massive in every way. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's fantastic. Um, and you also, in 2016, uh, received a Lifetime Achievement Award from AFL England. Um, what was that like to get something so, so you know, such an honour given to you? Again, it was, uh, it was on, on the day, totally unexpected. I mean, I'd been involved in the national setup with AFL England for a number of years as a sort of a committee member, then as president for a few years, then as a secretary. Um, and again, it was just it was just all those early experiences that absolutely hooked me to the game, that led me to get into these, get into the sort of committee roles and the positions to try and help build the sport up, try and sort of leave it, um, well, try and make it better than when when I started it um, and it was a real honor because it's all your it's all your peers it's all the people you respect you work with have um, have contributed into you getting it and on on that day it was um there was uh, we, on that day we just played the touring Aussie side uh, touring Aussie vet side had come over and again we had a wonderful time sort of lining that up getting involved in the match um, and then to receive that afterwards and receive it alongside uh, a gentleman named Rob Fielder, who had been the coach of the England national team and then the uh, assistant coach of the Bulldogs um, for a few years as well. Again, had contributed massively to growing the sport, the awareness of it, getting people involved. And yeah, a, a fantastic honour to receive. It's, it's fantastic that um, IFL England and London and everything like that, you know, recognize the people that have helped grow the game. Now, you mentioned that you were the president at one point in time for AFL England, and the current uh, kangaroo, Will, is the current president of AFL England. Um, have you had much, you know, talk with him about stuff? Did let him know what he's in, like, before he got the role, what he was in for, what was going to happen, and that type of stuff? I really I really didn't need to. He's a very, very capable guy. And we did have a few conversations early on to say, look, when he when he took it on because he um, he took it on from uh, I believe sort of there have been a couple of a couple of presidents between my stint and when Will took it on, um, but yeah, very openly sort of said, "Look, ask whatever you want. I'm happy to help, happy to contribute." But I think because at the time um, my first kid was a couple of years old, and it was just that time pressure that I couldn't keep on contributing in the in the same way as I, I had been originally um but yeah so absolutely there to sort of help out and uh, contribute have contribute how I could with the time I had available but it's very much I think what uh Will has brought to the role is, is really started focusing uh where the efforts should be going to try and take the take the right the right positive steps for the sport I think I think when I was in the president's role, I was trying to spread my attention too thin, trying to get everything done, and um, yeah, you try to get everything done and end up not doing as much of anything as you should do. So getting Will sort of focused on the important stuff, I think, would be a really good step forward. Now the one you know, one thing before we get into our favourite segment, Rifty. Now we've been, brought Will up. 
what are the poker nights like at the uh, Kangaroos with Will around? I think. <sighs> I think there's been like there's been a couple which I weren't able to make, so I'm, unfortunately I can't dish the dirt on them. Um, there's a no, I imagine he's he's got a certain amount of experience behind him, shall we say, in, in that uh, in that arena. Um, I've spoken to him about his job a few times, and it's it's the sort of thing that you kind of like. Where was I when that job was going? Yeah, we, we had we had him on um, probably maybe July, August, you know, around that time, and. And we we're blown away by the job that he had. And I'm not much in the poker, but Rifty is quite knows the going on. And the conversation them two had was quite incredible. But yeah, you're right. You know, how does a man get into that that field of work to cover such a unique competition? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting as well because like we'll we'll be chatting to him on sort of on the way back from away games and when we sat sat around having a beer after matches and it's like, and he would say, he'd be telling us about sort of what he's doing next. And he's like, I've got to spend X weeks in a hotel in Vegas. And we're like, damn, that sounds good. And he's like, nah, not so much after the first couple. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know if you could get sick of Vegas if you, if you go into the right places, I guess. Yeah. I think you'd have to try pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a good segue, though. You've already. He's already started trying to get you to throw a team man under the bus. So um, let's get you to actually throw some more team mates under the bus. Um, okay. So who at who the club would you say is the biggest class clown or joker? That is a, uh, undoubtedly a, uh, a bloke called uh, Chris or Tip Rat. <laughs> um, I think he was serious about one thing sometime in about 2013. I think it was probably the day he was getting married, so it might have been a good idea. Um, but yeah, it's just the guy is just never serious about anything, and it's like he's got this. It's something that really vexes me because I'm re I'm really big on sort of when you get somebody new come along, you teach them the techniques so they kick in the right way and that sort of thing. And he's just this this proponent of kicking off the outside of your boot. And it's like every time he does, it's like tip rack, cut it out, kick it properly. <laughs> But um, yeah, he's just—he's got a comeback for everything. He's got a—he's uh, got a bit of a designer's eye around him, so he's got—he sort of mocks up all these sort of these videos and um, meme images for whatever's going on in the club. So yeah, really good sort of social presence. Yeah, nice. All right. So who—who's the biggest party animal? I've got to give a big hand to Disco here. One of our, one of our veteran players who just—he is a hundred and ten percent. 110% committed to the social side of the club. <laughs> I think that's the safest way of putting it. I'm, I'm enjoying the nickname that's coming through, Rifty. Uh, I'm looking forward to the last question, that's for sure. Um, but who's the person who takes the game far too seriously? That uh, is absolutely me. <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a um, connection between people that join us about to talk about their club and the people who take the game too seriously. <laughs> So I think with um, one of the things, one of the things that really sort of highlighted this over the years was uh, because I was uh, running running the club between about two thousand and seven and about two thousand and uh, no two thousand six two thousand and eight, um, and we went to a very we went to a few sort of things during that time. So there used to be uh, the Sheep Station Cup took place in Europe, and we travelled to that sort of three years on the trot. 2004, five, six. And because I was always organizing sort of here's the hotel, 
get your, book your place on this flight or whatever the, the club started calling me dad it wasn't so much in a positive way it, it was more it was more sort of oh shut up dad whenever i was saying right okay make sure you get good night's sleep because we've got an early start tomorrow but then they took it then they um decided whenever i did anything wrong i'd go down the dad scale so i'd start off at dad when i was doing all right and then i'd take a wrong turning and we'd get lost and it's like, oh it's stepdad now <laughs> and god forbid if i ever did anything silly and got moved down to bad uncle or anything <laughs> like that but <laughs> had this whole sliding scale of how well i was doing at the time but it's like if i'm if i'm going on tour if i'm going for a match somewhere it's like then i'm going to play footy I'm not going for, I'm, I'm not so specifically going so I can, I can have a game of footy and I can get lashed all night afterwards. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the one who takes it a bit too seriously. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing wrong with that at all. Um, who, who's the player or the person at the club you wouldn't want to room with on a trip away? From everybody else's point of view, probably me again, because I <laughs> snore like a proverbial. Um, for me, Anybody who's 10 years younger than me and just wants to party all night and come in at 6 a.m. and then <laughs> whatever piss in, else. Piss in your shoes. Or... <laughs> Thankfully managed to avoid that yet. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure it's in my future somewhere. <laughs> all right. um, how about the best nickname for the club? You see, this, this one I kind of, had to, kind of had to think about a bit because it's one of the things that, of course, it's present anywhere you get anywhere you get people together sort of particularly in a sporting environment that you the nicknames are generated but sort of nickname assigning and generating nicknames seems to be almost sort of like a, a pastime for the Aussies in the club but uh, I think one of the one of the ones which I remember and absolutely love is a uh, young Aussie guy who came to us a couple of years ago who's teaching in the area and um, he came along on a particularly sort of wet slick day and the grass was just grass is like an ice rink and bless him he had didn't have any boots yet so he'd come along in the trainers he'd worn on the plane over and he's just spent the entire session just sliding all over the place and was just known as slider from that point forward and it's just that is always stuck in my mind as well as being a much better nickname than some of the ones i've had over the years just really appropriate just stuck in the mind yeah it's always good when uh someone gets it earns a nickname on the first day but you mentioned a couple other nicknames. So Tip Rat, is there any story behind how we got Tip Rat? I wish I could tell you. I, I really wish I could. I, I have no idea whether it's something whether it's something to do with um, the team tipping or whatever. Um, is, but, is, he, is he a small forward? Is that he's? Uh, he is a small forward. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Stephen Milne, ex and Kilda player, he was known as the Tip Rat. So maybe he had that had a bit of uh, Stevie Milne about him. Like well, Chris doll. certainly is a, uh, a St Kilda a St Kilda supporter as well. He's been proudly wearing that jumper every since he turned up. So, oh, yeah, I'd go. imagine that's probably where it came from. No, we'll solve that mystery. And what about Disco? His name's not Stu, is it? <laughs> it isn't, no. Uh, that's, that's Dave. But, um, yeah, Disco from just the uh, <laughs> the the off-field and post-game, <laughs> post-game shenanigans. No, that's all right. Um, oh. Thanks, heaps, for joining us, uh, Adam. We do appreciate you taking the time out of your morning. It's uh, almost 9 o'clock in the evening for us. Um, but, yeah, thanks again for joining us, mate. We wish you all the best with uh, the continued restrictions and lockdowns that you have over there at the moment. Hopefully uh, not too much longer. You're out there uh, 
almost getting a fist to the ball again uh, at some stage. <laughs> Fingers uh, crossed, mate. Absolutely. Thanks very much for having along. It's been a pleasure. Uh, before we wrap up, just where can everyone go follow along um, with the Kangaroos on Facebook? Uh, just give you Facebook or Instagram, whatever other social yep. media you've got. Facebook, look up the Reading Kangaroos. We'll be on there. We'll be on there, top of the list. Yeah, nice. So if uh, any Aussies are heading over for the Reading Fest, they could then go have a kick of the footy with the Kangaroos afterwards. After yeah, just watch- don't, don't, don't go to London. Every Aussie goes to London. Come to Reading. It's a great place <laughs> yeah. to be. Go watch Stormzy and then go have a kick with the boys to the Kangaroos. Amen. Nice. Thanks. Thanks again, mate. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a good day, guys. You too. Thanks for listening to the Cobbercast with the President VP. Uh, if you want to go check out the social media and follow along with all the other clubs that we've spoken to and follow along with our journey, you can head on over to Facebook. You're going to head over to Facebook and follow the Sandown Cobras uh, Football Netball Club for all the previous catalogue videos. Um, Instagram at Sandown Cobras FNC, at Twitter uh, at Sandown Cobras. Or you can follow the CobraCast page. Uh, that's at Instagram and Facebook at the CobraCast Press VP. So all one word. And you can subscribe to wherever you get your, your podcast. Just search the CobraCast for the present VP. Lovely. And uh, make sure you subscribe and leave a, you know, give us five stars, mate. Bump yeah, us up yeah. in the world. We're, we're making waves in Germany, apparently. So uh, let's make waves all around the world. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.